Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. What's going on, people? This is SGR98, and it is time to give you guys some NFL futures. This is our win totals episode. I am fucking jacked up for this season. I'm recording this Monday, Labor Day here, first week of September. It is a rainy, gloomy day. I am not out at a barbecue with friends and family. I am not playing beer pong. I am sitting in the lab here, breaking down win totals, shitting out content to get you guys before the kickoff game this Thursday with the Bills and Rams, and before the entire season kicks off this Sunday. So let's get into it, guys. We're going to break down some win totals. Now, first, I want to let you know I'm going about this a little bit of a different way. I'm going to be breaking this episode up into different segments. I'm trying to fuck around with some editing, you know, some transitioning, maybe if I can figure this shit out, just to make it easier on myself, you know, make my time management a little bit easier and really kind of trim the fat on some of these episodes so that we don't end up uh, rambling, you know, like we tend to do. So, um, yeah, I'm going to chop this up a little bit. I hope you guys bear with me as I work through this whole process and, and try and perfect this. Um, so we're going to have a couple different segments here. I'll do, you know, five minutes on this team, five minutes on that team, and we'll kind of just move on. Um, before we get into my 2022 seasonal bets, I want to break down or recap, really, I should say, my bets from last year. Uh, I placed eight win totals in 2021, and guys, we had a lot of success. Packers over 10 hit. Lions under five hit. Bears under seven and a half hit. Titans over nine and a half hit. Jaguars under six and a half hit. Buccaneers over nine, or excuse me, 11 and a half for the Bucks. That's another hit. Steelers over eight and a half. Hit that in week 18. Nine, seven, and one. Shout out Mike Tomlin. Not a single fucking losing season for that guy in Pittsburgh. And then the one that we lost, Washington, over eight and a half wins. Unfortunately, Ryan Fitzpatrick couldn't stay healthy for me. If you guys were following along at home, that is seven out of eight on NFL win totals in the 2021 season. We went 88 goddamn percent on that shit. Let's go, guys. So as you can tell, I really enjoy betting win totals. I do so much work over the course of the summer not sitting here patting myself on the back, but really I find a massive edge in this win totals market and it's because of all the off-season prep that I do throughout July and August. I really love uh, being able to pounce on you know where my perception of these teams and the public perception do not line up. So I'm going to give you guys eight more this year. We bet eight last year. We're doing eight this year, and I'm going to try and you know give you guys enough here so that maybe you feel confident to bet some as well. So this is going to be the end of the first segment. When I come back, I am going to start my first win total breakdown. Win total number one this season is the New York Giants under seven and a half wins. The odds I got are minus 145. The New York Giants are not a good football team. They have not been a good football team in quite some time. Their last winning season was in 2016 when they went 11-5 and in an outlier season under Ben McAdoo. Um, the last 10 years, they've only had two winning seasons, and since 2017, their record's 22-59. and 59. It's tied for the Jets for the worst record in football. That's right, the Giants and the Jets. Not the Jaguars, not the Browns, not the Lions. The Giants and the Jets, guys. Worst teams in football over the last five seasons. Uh, this Giants team last year went 4-13. and 13. They went 6-11 and 11 against the spread, tied for the third worst cover rate in the NFL with the Jets and Bears. So... Um, 
yeah, this team sucks. Um, obviously, at the end of the Eli Manning era, tough to watch. Daniel Jones has not been an upgrade at all. Dave Gettleman, the GM, really just wasting resources here, overpaying Kenny Galladay last offseason, spending a number two overall pick on a running back in the NFL draft. I mean, the, the, the place is a shit show. It has been for quite some time. I don't see it turning around immediately this year. There is a new GM and a new head coach, right? Brian Dable comes over from Buffalo. And the whole thing with the head coach is that he's credited with Josh Allen's immaculate turnaround in Buffalo. Is it possible that Josh Allen's just a good football player? <laughs> like, Brian Dable is a head coach now after two great years in Buffalo. But if you look at his track record as an offensive coordinator... Not much success outside of the last two seasons. Um, really a lot of shitty offenses he's been a part of in his career. Um, coaching uh, with the New York Jets, the Cleveland Browns, the Dolphins, uh, the Patriots. Uh, you know, not a record of consistency. So we'll see how that goes. But I don't think it's a guarantee that he just fixes Daniel Jones. And the new GM, it always takes a few years to turn things around from a front office standpoint. Daniel Jones, who I just mentioned, 4-7 and seven last year as a starter. Um, this team obviously going 0-6 without him, but that's still not a good record. His career record as a starter, 12-26, and 26, after being the number 6 overall pick in 2019. The guy's just not good at football. He's not an NFL quarterback, and I'm willing to bet against him for one last year here when we get a chance to. I mean, he won't ever be a starter again. This is our last opportunity to fade Daniel Jones on a grand scale, guys. Who's going to pass that up? So I mentioned, you know, recent history has not been good. This is Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, likely their last years uh, with the Giants. You know, whether Saquon has a bounce back year or not and can stay healthy, because, uh, you know, talent wise, Saquon is elite, right? But health has been the issue and a bad offensive line and a bad offensive scheme has been an issue. Even if he looks like Bo Jackson this year, I don't see him getting extended. It almost looks similar to me as the career arc of James Conner, where, you know, dominant on the field when healthy for Pittsburgh, but the injury troubles and the financial commitment that it requires to pay a running back, especially, you know, if he just booms in this contract year and it, it could put the Giants in a really difficult situation where he's looking to get paid like a top guy and they just can't trust the consistency. So what I'm saying is uh, contract year ended the line for Daniel Jones and Saquon here in New York. Why would I take the over on this team? Um, they are already missing first-round pick Kayvon Thibodeau, Thibodeau with a uh, MCL sprain that he suffered in a preseason game. Personnel-wise, the defense lost half their secondary. James Bradbury, Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, all gone, who were starters in the secondary last year. This team's odds are dog shit in terms of making the playoffs, winning their division, winning the Super Bowl. Um, they're dead last and in the NFC East with the fourth worst odds. They're plus 750 to win their own division this year. They're favored to win less than two and a half divisional games at minus 150. And so when you're looking at the combination of the just dysfunction from top to bottom and realistically just the lack of talent on the roster, give me under seven and a half wins for the New York Giants. Win total number two, we're taking the Chicago Bears under six and a half wins at minus 141 odds. This is my biggest investment as far as win totals this season, guys. This is my favorite. 
right here. I'm giving it to you at win total number two, 10 minutes into the episode. You don't have to wait until longer. If you only want to bet one win total this year, this is my pick here, guys. The Bears fucking suck. The Bears are terrible. Their roster is terrible. The offense is going to be ugly to watch okay this team in the middle of july the under for six and a half was minus 125 it is steadily crept up Uh, to be honest i'm not sure if you can get a minus 140 on the under six and a half i'm seeing books showing five and a half currently so shop around maybe look for some alternates you may have to pay a steeper price but I mean, there's no shot this team wins seven games, and they might be lucky to get to six this year. I actually have been shopping around looking at odds for whoever will have the worst regular season record, and to be honest, the Bears at 12-1 to to win the least amount of football games this year is something that I might have to wet my beak on a little bit. This team went 6-11 and last year, and to me, that was even overachieving. Fucking gross football in Chicago. Offense was 27th in points per game. Defense, 22nd in points per game. They had the second worst turnover margin in the league. Quarterback play was anemic, and it didn't get better once Justin Fields went in there. If you want to be a Justin Fields trooper, go ahead, but how many quarterbacks have we seen from Ohio State flame out in the NFL? Whether it's because of a bad situation or whether it's because, you know, Anybody can put up video game numbers at Ohio State with the constant talent they have surrounding them. You know, that's really, I'll leave that up for you to decide. But my point is, Justin Fields may have been dynamic in college, and I'm not even calling him a flat-out bust, but he's not a player that's going to elevate a piss-poor roster here in Chicago. Um, This team... On top of, you know, some of the issues I mentioned from last year, their roster just got worse and worse. They lost Allen Robinson, who was undoubtedly the top receiving target in this offense. I understand he played poorly last year. He wasn't healthy, and to be honest, he may have been mentally checked out. Let's be real. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Even elite athletes can get into a mental funk and if i'm sitting here rotting away my career catching passes from fucking blake bortles and fucking mitch trubisky in jacksonville and chicago and i'm as talented as Allen robinson maybe i'm looking for a change of scenery as well he looks healthy in rams camp and i have no worries that he'll be back to producing this year so that's a significant loss for them they're starting receivers currently darnell mooney who i think is talented but he can't do it all by himself and behind him we're looking at byron pringle and a rookie velas jones as the next guys stepping up here Cole Komet maybe you know takes a step forward in his third year at tight end but realistically none of these guys are going to provide any sort of excitement or explosion really on a consistent basis not to mention the offensive the offensive line is a shit show sorry for stumbling over my words here but the offensive line is a fucking mess they're starting i think a fifth round rookie at left tackle they're picking up guys that have been getting cut from other teams and plugging them into their fucking lineup like they have struggled to find a starting five in training camp and throughout the preseason because there just isn't a starting five on this roster. And with all the offensive struggles that I just mentioned, they go and hire a defensive-minded head coach. Matt Eberflus comes in from Indy. And I don't give a shit how good this guy is at calling cover two. He's not going to fix this offense. It's going to be a mess this year, okay? The defense, on top of that, who Eberflus, you know, 
make the argument we're going to build a team through the defense. Well, there's no personnel. There's no depth. They lost their, you know, arguably two best defensive players, definitely two best in the front seven with Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack this offseason. They traded Khalil Mack to San Diego for a second-round pick and a bag of potatoes. This isn't a win-now franchise. They're relying on a second-round rookie out of University of Washington to be their number one corner, and the talent that was on this defense, you know, for five years ago when they were going 12-4 and and punishing people, it's just not there anymore. This team isn't even looked at to be competitive in their own division. What I mean by that is the Detroit Lions, who won three football games last year, have better odds to win the NFC North than the Chicago Bears. This team is massively favored to come in fourth in their division at minus 140, and they're favored to win under two and a half divisional games at minus 150, just like the Giants we just talked about. This team sucks The offense might be the worst in the league, and I love the Chicago Bears under six and a half wins this year. Next up, we're going to keep it rolling with another under. I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks under six and a half wins, minus 185. Now, I know I'm laying some serious juice here with some of these futures. None of these are at plus money, and I'm sorry about that. To be honest, with these futures... You got to take some favorites. You got to be willing to lay some juice. It's usually how it works. The sports books know what they're doing this time of year. They put in the research over the summer. So you got to be willing to lay a little juice. Okay, minus 185. Let's get past it. This team will not win seven games. You want to talk about a rebuild? Holy fuck. No Russell Wilson for the first time in 10 years. No Bobby Wagner for the first time in 10 years. The absolute identity of this franchise. The entire Legion of Boom is gone, and their Hall of Fame quarterback is gone. Pete Carroll might not survive this rebuild, just flat out. The guy is old. I feel like he's been 70 for the last five years. At least that's what the narrative usually is. They show him running around, chewing gum. Uh, Doesn't Pete Carroll look great for 74 or whatever he is? Uh, Whatever. The guy's not going to be around that much longer, and I don't know if he has it in him to really rally this talent-deficient roster. Mention Russ is gone. We could do a whole episode on that, and we did when we did our Seattle Seahawks preview. But for the sake of this win total, I mean, they're starting Geno Smith at quarterback. Shout out Geno. He's my guy. Geno for Heisman forever, right? Geno's a backup in the NFL. They wanted Drew Locke to win the starting job here. He just couldn't do it. Drew Locke is just worse than Geno. It's not really that Geno's better than Drew Locke. Drew Locke is just worse than Geno, if that makes sense. They just, they're starting a backup QB this season. And outside of that, the weapons aren't great. Yes, they have DK Metcalf and they have Tyler Lockett. Outside of that, there is nothing else here. I am a believer in Noah Fant's talent, but he has not been able to put it together on the field in his career. And it's just not a good situation here with the quarterback play that he's going to be working with. And the fact that this offensive line is ranked 27th in the NFL coming into the season by Sharp Football. 
On top of that, their running backs don't seem to be healthy. We've got the starter in Rashad Penny, who has never been healthy in the last four seasons. And rookie running back Kenneth Walker also dealing with um, some hamstring or maybe some groin issues right now. I forget which one, but it is a lower body soft tissue issue, and we have to keep our eyes open for that. So no health, no depth, no O-line. You have two receivers on this offense and nothing else. On the defense, they are just as bad. This team did finish tied for ninth in points per game last year allowed at only 21.5. However, they got by with a pretty solid turnover margin, which is likely to regress year to year. They actually gave up the 28th most yards per game, which to me is more telling of what this defense will look like this year with even less personnel with Bobby Wagner leaving. He was the heart and soul of that defense. He was the quarterback of that side of the football. And now with Wagner gone, if you look through that depth chart, aside from the safety tandem of Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, there is not jack shit on that defense. This team basically has four good football players on it. Now, I think that a couple of the offensive linemen as rookies have a shot to be good long term, but they're not going to be game changers right away with Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. And again, we're looking at maybe six or seven good players on this team. Outside of that, the roster's dog shit. This team has a tough schedule. 22nd ranked strength of schedule. Uh, they have to play six games against their own division, the NFC West. So that's you got the Rams, 49ers, and Cardinals twice a year. Three teams that all made the playoffs last year. And then you've got four games against the AFC West on top of that. That is 10 games alone where this Seahawks team has a chance to be probably a touchdown underdog or less. Or more, I, excuse me. Um, yeah, the schedule's tough. This team will not win seven games. They have the seventh, excuse me, they have the second worst odds to win the NFC conference, and they are minus 225 as a massive favorite to come in last in this division. The only way that doesn't hit is due to cataclysmic injury by one of the other three teams. Maybe Matt Stafford's elbow explodes. Maybe a Kyler Murray gets injured like he every he does every year. But besides the point, this team is favored to fail. That is the expectation. They don't they do not get the seven wins this year. Give me the Seahawks under six and a half minus one eighty five. For my final under of the twenty twenty two season, I'm cheating again with this one, guys. Just being honest. I got the Browns under nine and a half wins, minus 160. I was able to grab this price before the final verdict on the Deshaun Watson situation came through. Uh, at the time, it was thought to possibly be a six-game suspension since the news of an 11-game suspension. The odds have dropped to under eight and a half, minus 160, and they currently set it under nine and a half, minus 270. So I grabbed quite a bit of value over the course of the summer. I'm not here to brag about it. I just want to be totally, you know, forthcoming, give you guys 
100% disclosure here, this is what I've got going on in my portfolio. I still recommend under eight and a half if you want to jump on the Browns here. I just don't see how they'll be able to overcome the distractions in this building this year. The defense is good on paper. To be honest, the offense, it's very efficient, or it has been in years past, you know, with that running game specifically, but with Brissett in there, I'm worried defenses will be able to stack the box. Uh, Brissett's a competent backup, but there's a reason he's a backup. I don't see this offense being threatening this year. I'm not in love with the pass-catching weapons, to be honest. At tight end, David Njoku is very unproven. Amari Cooper is probably the most inconsistent wide receiver one, if you want to call him that, in the National Football League. Talented guy, but like I said, too inconsistent for me to even be confidently labeling him as a wide receiver one at this point in his career. David Bell is a rookie and Donovan Peoples-Jones is in his second year. He really hasn't shown to be much more than a deep threat kind of role player so far. Maybe he takes a step forward, but it's just a lot of unproven guys here and I'm not willing to bank on this running game being able to get the Browns over a 500 record this season. It's essentially just a bet that they'll have a losing season, right? And again, just so much bad PR, so many distractions. Kareem Hunt, on top of all the Deshaun Watson conversation, is requesting a trade. And I, 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 you know, it's just too many negative vibes. It's just straight up. Like, this is a pretty straightforward one. It's a tough schedule as well. They have six games against their own division. The Ravens and Bengals are fucking tough. And, you know, the Steelers are not going to lay down for anyone, especially the Browns. And then on top of that, they're out of division matchups. They have some tough fucking teams on there. The Chargers, Bills, Bucks, Saints, and Dolphins are all games that I can pretty confidently forecast the Browns to lose. And to me, right there, you know, we're fucking around with an under eight and a half. So this one, again, pretty straightforward, no quarterback, no confidence. We got to fade the Browns this year. And, you know, maybe some people out there are looking for a reason or an excuse to cheer against this Browns team. Just maybe. Just put it out there. So if you want to ride it with me, I'm on under nine and a half. You can grab eight and a half or you can shop around for an alternate. Next, I'm going to come back and we are going to dive into our overs. We are going to end this episode with four overs and try and get a little bit more optimistic here. So stick with me. All right, that's enough unders talk for today. Let's get into some overs and let's try and get a little bit more positive here on this episode. The first over I'm going to give you guys is on the Minnesota Vikings. I got over 8.5, minus 147. Current odds on FanDuel, minus 160. Not that big of a jump. I still trust it. I still think it's a value. Give me this team to go above 500 this year. Above 500, pardon me. Uh, eight and nine last year, 14th in offensive points per game, 24th in defensive points per game. It's kind of strange, you know, Mike Zimmer, defensive background as a head coach over the last two seasons, we've seen a transition of this football team from the defense being the strength to the offense really being responsible for keeping them in shootouts because the defense has been bad and that's eventually, you know, what drove Zimmer out of there. That and potentially a toxic relationship with starting QB Kirk Cousins. Bunch of rumors, bunch of reports, you know, a bunch of shit to talk about this offseason as far as that not being 
being the best relationship there. Zimmer's out. New head coach Kevin O'Connell, former offensive coordinator of the Rams, heard this offseason that while uh, Sean McVay retirement rumors were circulating, it was a contingency plan where if McVay stepped away from the game, this would have been the guy to replace him as head coach of the Rams. I think it was a good hire. I think he'll come over and bring a new energy into the building. You know, the toxic Mike Zimmer energy should be gone, and this should be a team with hopefully a more positive outlook in 2022. O'Connell bringing that McVay system over, I think is going to maximize the talent on this offense. Kirk Cousins solid QB. I'm not really in the Kirk Cousins business here, but I think he can get the job done and facilitate to some pretty outstanding weapons here. Justin Jefferson could see statistically maybe the best year of his career so far. You know, we saw how Cooper Cup was able to get wide open on every single play in that Rams offense. And it's an easy comparison to say Justin Jefferson should be put in some similar advantageous positions this year with a new offensive scheme. And then, you know, um, Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne, two solid receivers to give them some depth behind Jefferson. Dalvin Cook's a monster. They've got Madison as a solid backup to him. The offense, to me, can look good this year under O'Connell. The defense, I mentioned, was the problem the last two years, but they really, to me, in terms of personnel, invested on that side of the football. This offseason, they brought in veterans like Zadarius Smith to help the pass rush, Harrison Phillips to play on that D-line and plug some gaps, and Jordan Hicks is one of the more underrated coverage linebackers in the NFL. They get a veteran in there to add some depth at that second level. They also re-signed Patrick Peterson and then go into the draft and pick up two young studs to plug into that secondary that struggled so much recently. Lewis Seen out of University of Georgia is their first-round pick, a safety that looks to be a dog, in my opinion. And Andrew Booth, Jr., to me, was a value slip into the second round out of Clemson to play cornerback for this team, a guy that I could have seen going in the first round this year. So when you're looking at all those moving pieces and you know some of the narratives as well as far as the coaching changes, I think there's reason to be optimistic here. I mentioned you can get over 8.5 at minus 160. If you're feeling ballsy, you can get over 9.5 at minus 110 if you don't want to lay the juice. I'm a guy that's not really afraid to lay some juice on these win totals. Make the playoffs minus 110. You know, yeah, they can get in. Is it my favorite? Probably not. I'd probably take the win total in the you know offset chance that they go nine and eight and finish as the eighth seed in the NFC. Shit happens. Uh, but I like the win total here. They're forty to one to win the Super Bowl, and I'm not buying a ticket. But anytime a team's at forty to one that I think can get into the playoffs, I'll consider it. So it's something if you're feeling real good about this team. Hey, you could do worse is what I'm saying. 40 to 1, you get into the tournament, you got a chance to dance. So those are my thoughts on the Vikings. Um, hopefully you guys agree. We're going to come back, and I got three more win totals for you.
So this next over is sitting there in the NFC as kind of a comparable situation to my Vikings play we just talked about. I'm taking the Saints to go over 7.5 wins at minus 175. You can also get 8.5 at minus 130. I'm giving you guys a couple of options on each of these win totals. I've mentioned several times I shop around religiously for this shit. I found that on FanDuel right now, over 8.5 is minus 130, over 7.5 is minus 210. I was able to grab 175 on another book, so I took the value there. But if I couldn't find that value on the 7.5 wins, I would gladly bet, was intending to bet, and would recommend to bet over eight and a half wins minus 130. So that's the official play here. I'm not going to give you guys my Fugues seven and a half alternate line on this one. We're going for nine here with this team, and I think they can do it. It's their first year without Sean Payton in 15 years here. Obviously, staple of the franchise, most successful head coach in franchise history. Dennis Allen takes over as the head coach now. We'll see what it looks like, but Allen's been there since 2015 calling the defensive side of the football and you know that continuity I think goes a long way on the offensive side of the ball you'll say but what about the offense Sean Payton was the offense here right Drew Brees was the offense here right well Pete Carmichael is still the play caller there and he's been the OC under Sean Payton his entire time in New Orleans this is Pete Carmichael's 15th year with the Saints so realistically there's a decent amount of continuity there on the coaching staff this team went 9-8 and eight last year despite having to play four different starting quarterbacks. They finished 19th in points per game offensively, which should only get better if Jameis can stay healthy. And defensively, top five unit, fourth in points per game allowed and third in yards per game. So the defense personnel-wise was able to carry this team last year, and if they can avoid the same injury issues on offense, I think they're set up to succeed and bounce back this year. People forget before Jameis's season-ending injury, he was 5-2 and two as a starter with this team, including a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This team actually 4-0 against the Buccaneers in the regular season since they brought in Tom Brady, including wins with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill playing a majority of the snaps. So this Saints team can get it done, and they match up well in the division. Next, I'll talk about the offensive weapons here. I've mentioned a lot of injuries. This team's leading receiver last year was Marquez Callaway with less than 700 yards. He totaled out at 698. And the guy with the most receptions was Kamara, even though he was on pace for a career low in receptions. It was just gross down there on the offensive side of the ball. That said, could be a lot better this year. They traded up into the first round to get Chris Olave, stud receiver out of univer excuse me, Ohio State University. And Michael Thomas, big question mark. I'm not sure I can trust him to stay healthy, but even if he's not dominant, even if he's just back to being on the field and being just kind of an average you know, large targeted, large bodied slot guy there for this team, he still can fill a role. And then bringing in Jarvis Landry in the offseason, that's a pretty legit trio of wide receivers here and a lot better than the combination of Marquez Callaway and Deontay Harden and little Jordan Humphreys last year, right? 
So I think there's potential for this team to stay strong on the defensive side of the ball, even possibly be better here, bringing in Tyron Matthew and Marcus May at the safety position, and the offense can definitely take a step forward. This team has the ninth easiest schedule in the league as well, and I mentioned they match up well with the Bucks. So even if you consider those two unfavorable matchups taken into the algorithm for their strength of schedule, it gets even easier because those are not automatic losses for the Saints like they are for most other teams in the algorithm. So this team... I've mentioned a couple times, I'm over on their win total. You can get them to make the playoffs at plus 118. I actually trust this team more than the Vikings, who I just talked about. This defense is elite. I'll say it. I'll put the word elite behind this defense. And Jameis Winston got this team to five wins in seven weeks last year. If they have a starting quarterback, this is a playoff team. They're odds to make the playoffs plus 118, and I don't have a ticket because I've just got other investments that I see more value in on this team and on other teams as well, not trying to overload my portfolio or spread myself too thin. What I can say is this team is going off at 40 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl, and you guys just heard me you know, tease this a little bit. If there's a team at 40 to 1 that you like, I'm interested or I'm considering And I decided that, again, I trust the Saints more than the Vikings. At the same price here in the same conference, if I'm trying to pick one of these teams to go on a bit of a run as maybe, you know, most likely both nodding for that wild card spot, right? I mean, the Packers and the Buccaneers are going to be tough to overthrow in those divisions. But what I'm talking about is if this team gets in as a wild card, I could actually see that defense giving them a puncher's chance to get through the tournament. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but if you can get 40 to 1 and all of a sudden you're looking at this team in the divisional round coming off a strong defensive performance in the wild card round, don't be surprised is what I'm saying. I'm optimistic about the Saints this year. So. We'll see. I have a 40 to 1 Super Bowl ticket. It is one of my five Super Bowl futures that I have right now. It is my longest shot on Super Bowl futures. I don't usually like to just piss money away on long shot Super Bowls, but what I'm saying is 40 to 1 gives you a lot of margin for error with a team that I think can get into the playoffs this year. My seventh win total here and third over is going to be on the San Francisco 49ers. I've got them over nine and a half wins, minus 152. FanDuel currently has the odds at minus 160. Bite the bullet, spend the eight cents, take the 160. Not a big deal, right? Uh, The odds have actually moved quite a bit this summer. Just over the last six weeks since the middle of July, These odds have gone from plus 145 to minus 160 to hit this win total. When I see fluctuation like that in the market at this time of year, between July and August, when it's almost entirely sharp spetting these lines, I like to trust that line movement. I trust the money coming in. That said, my opinions on this team are really what have gotten me to this point. I mentioned during our 49ers team preview, this has been a plan from the start. Trey Lance was brought in here to sit for a year, to learn, to watch Jimmy G, to get comfortable at the NFL level, and I think he is going to be an upgrade for this offense. I know that people are worried after seeing that preseason performance against the Texans, 
where the offense did not look good. The timing was not there. Trey himself did not look good. He looked to really be having a tough time finding people open downfield and looked to revert to his legs more often than not. And yeah, we might see some of that this year. He is athletic, and he could tend to lean on his athleticism when plays break down and when his initial reads are not open. I get that. But this team is built to handle that. I think Kyle Shanahan, in his offensive system, he will make it easy on Trey Lance. He is not going to expect him to come out and play like Patrick Mahomes from day one. Okay, Even Patrick Mahomes didn't play like Patrick Mahomes from day one. He needed a redshirt year as well. Shanahan's system... There are weapons in this offense that can make plays after the catch, and there are designs here to get his players in advantageous positions and into space. We've seen what guys like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk can do after the catch. All you need to do is throw a little quick screen and watch them dance, right? And then George Kittle can pretty much body slam anybody in his way. He's got a very unique and very effective running scheme to lean on here in this offense. It's going to be a run-first offense, regardless of who's in there at quarterback. And I think the athleticism of Trey even works into that narrative, considering they can run so so many more creative concepts with read options and QB powers now that they could not run with Jimmy. Uh, the offensive line is a top 10 unit in the league, being ranked ninth by Sharp Football. They're one of the few teams that carries a fullback anymore, and they've got a good one in Kyle Huszczyk. I mentioned George Kittle. He's the best run-blocking tight end in the NFL and maybe the best I've ever seen, honestly. On the defensive side of the ball, they're strong. They have been, and they will be. It's ninth in points per game last year, third in yards per game allowed. This uh, front seven is put together, okay? The linebacking core between Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. I mean, forget about it. Fred Warner, top two, top three linebacker in the NFL. I will not put him at number one. That spot belongs to Darius Leonard, a.k.a. Shaquille Leonard, because I'm going to struggle with that transition. Anyways, back to the 49ers. The defense is great. Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw at linebacker. And then on the D line, we got some killers with Nick Bosa, um, Eric Armstead, and Javon Kinlaw, all former first round investments by this team. The schedule's not easy necessarily, ranked 13th this season. But I see this team being a mismatch for almost everyone they play. They kind of remind me of the Ravens of the NFC. We've seen the Ravens. I mean, these teams, they prepare all season for these high-powered passing offenses and what really is the modern NFL. And then we got the 49ers and the Ravens that just want to run it down your throat 40 times a game. And it provides to me an advantage when you, again, your, your entire personnel is designed to play you know, maybe against the Rams or maybe against the Chiefs or maybe against the Bills. And then you get a smash mouth football team that just wants to fucking cram you in here. It's a little different and it's going to be tough for teams to adjust to that. I think these running schemes, again, the Ravens and the 49ers, similar to me, it provides an advantage on a matchup basis. This team, uh, to make the playoffs, minus 255, they have the number seven uh, top favored odds in the NFL to make the playoffs and number four odds in the NFC to make the playoffs. 
Um, on top of that, um, they are favored at minus 140 to win over three and a half divisional games, and they are favored to finish second in their division above the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks. So you can see the sports books here are confident in this team, not only taking a, not only avoiding a step backward, I should say, but possibly taking a step forward and maybe being able to get over that hump as far as, you know, being a team that is limited by mediocre game management at quarterback. Let's be real. This team's 16 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. That's also the seventh highest odds in the NFL. And it's actually the third highest odds in the NFC, only behind, excuse me, fourth highest odds, my bad, uh, behind the Packers, Rams, and Buccaneers, of course. So this team favored to be a factor, favored to be dangerous in the playoffs. And I'm not going to let the nervousness of what Trey Lance could you know, fail to live up to, you know, stop me from taking an investment. So give me over nine and a half on this 49ers team. And once again, they could be dangerous in the playoffs. My final win total of the season is a team that I alluded to a few times just now in our 49ers breakdown. Give me the Baltimore Ravens to go over their total. I'm seeing nine and a half, and the odds that I got are minus 167 for the Ravens to eclipse that total. This is a 10-win team at the minimum. For sure. Um, I mentioned their identity. I mentioned how the physical run game and the read option shit that they pull off with Lamar Jackson is a constant uh, matchup nightmare for basically all 31 other teams in the league. John Harbaugh is so fucking consistent as a head coach. The guy has been the head coach in Baltimore for 14 years. He's got 10 winning seasons and eight with double digits. He's gone eight and eight twice in his time and his only two losing seasons seasons over those 14 years were seasons where Joe, Joe Flacco only made 10 starts and Lamar Jackson only made 12 starts. So he's only finishing below 500 when his starting QB gets injured. Lamar's put on 15 pounds of muscle. He looks sturdy as fuck this year. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder as well after missing time last year, as well as having the entire contract negotiation thing happening right now. He could be looking at a situation where he wants to risk on himself, bet on himself, I should say, and see if he can cash in on on a massive contract next offseason or play for the franchise tag who knows but Lamar for this team I mean people forget last year before he got injured this Ravens team was eight and three and they held the number one seed in the AFC before unfortunately falling apart and finishing 0 and six to end the season but like I'm saying here eight and three number one seed in the AFC last year and then the injuries piled up I mean they already went into the season without both starting running backs there with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards going down in August last year. Marcus Peters was also a full season casualty before week one. Then we got Ronnie Stanley starting left tackle missing 10 games. We've got the offensive guards Tyree Phillips and Ben Cleveland missing a combined 10 games between the two of them. Also not helping that run game. Tight end Nick Boyle missing eight games. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Marlon Humphrey missed five games. Derek Wolf only played two games for this team. LJ Fort missed an entire season at linebacker. It was 
rough for this team last year. If they can stay healthy, this is a legitimate contender here. Yeah, they lost Marquise Brown last year, but Rashad Bateman, number 27 overall pick in the 2021 draft, looks to be the number one receiver here. He's a guy I'm targeting in every one of my fantasy drafts, and I think he could be a better overall receiver in terms of route running, contested catch ability, just the ability to create separation aside from flatline speed. Bateman could be a better fit for what Lamar Jackson in this offense wants to do. On top of that, I mean, let's talk about the upgrades on defense. The secondary should be good as shit this year. I mentioned starting corners, Peters and Humphrey both should be back. They also brought in Marcus Williams and Kyle Fuller in free agency and then went and drafted Kyle Hamilton, number 14 overall at a Notre Dame. We're looking at a stacked secondary there and a pretty solid front seven here. And then on the O-line I mentioned, it was beat up last year, but they went and spent another first-round pick on center Tyler Linderbaum, who's my favorite center prospect I've ever watched go through the NFL draft since I've been doing this shit as an adult. The guy's film is O-line porn. Go watch Linderbaum highlights if you're into that sort of thing. And then they get Ronnie Stanley, hopefully healthy, back for a full season. They sign right tackle Morgan Moses to finish upgrading that O-line. They come into the season as the number six ranked O-line in the league to help that physical run game. And that offense I've mentioned, that is a mismatch for all 31 teams. So I think this Ravens team can be very good. I've got several futures on them. Their odds to win this division have shifted from plus 185 back in May to now plus 145. Your defending AFC champ Cincinnati Bengals are not favored to win this division. They currently sit as the second favorite at plus 170. I actually bet on the Ravens to win this division about a month ago at plus 162 odds before it continued to drop. To me, this Ravens team is just safer, and the Bengals are due to regress. I'm sorry. They only went 10-7 and last year, guys. We're not looking at the fucking Kansas City Chiefs over in the AFC. The Bengals overachieved in the playoffs. Yes, they're a good team. No, they're not a great team. Okay, and the Ravens are favored here, which means the sports books see something that Joe Public doesn't, and I'm willing to ride that wave. This team is minus 156 to make the playoffs, and they're 20 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. I've got a Super Bowl ticket on this team, too. Spoiler alert for our Super Bowl previews. This Ravens team is going to be good. I love the value that we're getting, I think, on this team, just coming off off an outlier year with a shit ton of injuries and, you know, their MVP quarterback missing. Obviously, they're going to drop off a bit. So give me the Ravens to bounce back. Over 9.5 seems like a massive value to me. And I just mentioned I've got a Super Bowl ticket. I've mentioned a couple Super Bowl tickets on this show, and I think that's going to be our next episode, guys. I've got five Super Bowl futures currently, and I'm going to break them all down for you. We'll see what else we get you. We're running out of time here to give you content. Make sure you're following along on social media because anything I don't get out in full episode format, I will be posting on Instagram at SGRpod. I'm on Twitter as well, but let's be real, I am terrible at checking that shit. So hit me up on Instagram at SGRpod. 
that's going to do it for my win totals. I hope you guys like the new format. I'm trying to do the best I can here. I'm trying to keep these episodes from getting too long, and I'm trying to make them at least manageable to consume. So I hope this format works. Uh, we will be back. This was SGR98. Thank you guys for listening. Go get down on some of those win totals. I will see you guys next time and ramble on.